you survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast, brought to you by CrossbreedHolsters.com. This week, Ken is in a New York state of mind. Interview with John L. Cushman, NRA director and major New York state activist, all things New York. Also, the perfect gun. Just some words of wisdom. And where to and where to not store your firearm. Hello, I'm Ken Blanchard, and this is the Urban Shooter Podcast. I hear that train a coming, it's rolling round the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps a-rolling On down to San Antonio When I was a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy Don't ever leave your guns But I shot a low-down rapist And I let him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry. Gun folks riding in the dining car They're probably drinking Starbucks And smoking fat cigars But I know I had it coming I know I can't be free But those liberals keep advancing And that's what's torturing me From this prison, if the railroad train was mine, I'd let I'd let I move on a little further down the line, far from Folsom Prison. That's where I want to stay, and I'd let that lonesome whistle blow my blues away. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast, the podcast for law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the city. This show features how-tos news and political views on what's happening around the world and in your city related to the sports of shooting and protecting what's important to you. Your host is known as the black man with a gun. He's a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counterterrorist, public speaker, and web personality. He's been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and here he is now to give power to the people, Ken Blanchard. Hey, welcome to another fun-filled, factual, and low-fat episode of your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. And I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. 
And I'm so glad you're listening. Whether you're driving a truck from Chicago to Seattle or on your way to work this morning, thank you for letting me ride with you. June is here, my favorite month of the year. A lot of stuff going on in June. Everybody try to cram their little thing into June. There's a freedom rally in Chicago this year. We're celebrating the Heller decision on June 26th and my birthday. And the 10th Cavalry Gun Club will be having its annual Juneteenth Day. That's an event we started way back when, back in about 1992, celebrating freedom for people of color on a history date that's not celebrated in too many places. We call it Juneteenth. XM, I actually tried to uh, send a couple of episodes of the Urban Shooter podcast to XM Satellite Radio and tried to get them to give me a, you know, a shout, a demo, check it out, let me know what they thought. That's kind of fulfilling a, a dream. I'm not sure whether I'll make any money working there, whether I'll be able to support the family if I could work there, but the XM station is about two miles from my church and, uh, Man, that would be nice to go on satellite. I don't care if it's at like 1.30 a.m. on Thursdays when the moon is full. It will be just cool to have it on satellite. But I got the runaround so far. I sent my CD. I asked a few people to send me some suggestions for which episodes I should put on there. I can only fit two episodes on the CD and uh, try to make it as good a quality as I could. And off it went. And I got a little email saying, uh, thank you for your response. But the number that XM gives you has got to be in Pakistan because it's a one of those toll free numbers that they use for subscribers. They couldn't tell me anything, whether they had received the CDs, if the um, producer was around anything. It was always the number they always give you is that number where the guy goes Thank you for calling XM Satellite Radio. And I'm thinking that dude is not in Northwest D.C. That's just bunk. But hey, keep your fingers crossed and keep hope alive. Hey, two Urban Shooter listeners have released their own books this year. Um, Peter and Helen Evans wrote something called Get Serious. The church, the church's stand on contemporary culture. And I missed their uh book signing they had in Springfield, Virginia just last week, but uh, I'm going to put a link to it so you can check it out. And my good friend Michael W. Dean has a patio book out. He has this book now in an audio version, and I'm doing the forward both in audio and in print. You can check that out too. I'm going to put a big old link on the site for that too. Hey, how about ammo? Man, it's like the dodo bird. It's scarce, man. And expensive as H-E-L-L. I seen one store was selling 9mm and 380 ammo for almost a dollar a bullet when they had it. But so far, 45 ammo and 44 is still available in Maryland. And I actually thought about selling ammo for a minute. But uh, don't think it'll work real well and I don't feel like the headache. I don't want to be the Bama that's charging a dollar a bullet to stay in business. I'd have to import it from somewhere like Israel or some country that has it in plenty, but then I'd be on some other list than I'm already on and I'm not trying to get there. I'm just trying to keep alive, you know? 
think I'll probably keep on selling targets. And I'm putting together a new site called zombie-shoot.com. And I'm going to add a new zombie target to that. It's going to be a groom for the bride. And the Lord has given me some encouragement because my church was starting to get to me. I mean, uh, I was feeling really doubtful about my position there and whether I was going to even make it. But God was faithful, as always. And he pepped his boy up. And I feel a whole lot better now. Got some direction. And I want to thank you for your prayers for those who prayed for me. I got a chance to meet, uh, or I get a chance to meet photographer Oleg Volk um, in about a week. So uh, that should be interesting. And maybe he'll bring his camera and take some pictures of my ugly mug. And I get a chance to interview him one-on-one there in Tennessee. There's a local group here called CAFE, the Community Association of Firearms Educators. Um, They've been doing a lot of stuff around the Maryland area. And they're trying to uh, do a lot of action without the MRA tag on it in the D.C. area. And they're having some modest success. They've had a uh, kid's shoot, a women's shoot, and they even had a couple of D.C. council members out to their ranges. So a big shout out to them, uh, Ricardo Royal and Cliff Beck, or uh, two of the lead guys in that. Also, Eric E. is uh, a good friend. Also, news on the news that's just totally stupid is I got a lot of um, bad phone calls last couple of days. My telephone number was being confused with uh, 7 Panama. So my regular number is 888-772-6262. But they're calling, I think, 877-PANAMA. 7 Panama. Sounds cool. So I'm getting a whole bunch of... Spanish speakers crying about something or I'm getting people who saying that they got charged money and it definitely wasn't me. But uh, whoever Seven Panama is, they are ripping people off. Never know what you're going to get. I guess life is like a box of chocolates, huh? I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Creighton Samuels, Jerome Blaylock, Chris and Jeff who have more frequent flyer miles than Superman. Um, another Jeff that I talk to on Twitter all the time, Jane and Nicole of the Second Amendment Sisters in Maryland, Harry, my truck driving brother, Big Z from the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. I think he's working out of Folsom Prison. And uh, Andrew S. And the JPFO for a very excellent YouTube video called No Guns for Negroes. Oh, yeah. Also, GunTrustLawyer.com. Check that out. And my buddy, Michael W. Dean, who wrote a user's manual for the human experience. You can check that out on patiobooks.com. There shall be links at kenblanchard.com and urbanshooterpodcast.com. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get this show started. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, something completely different. All right, join me in a conversation with John L. Cushman, director of the National Rifle Association from the state of New York, 
talking about all things New York. Here we go. In the course of a year in New York State, the state introduces almost 10,000 bills per year, between 10,000 and 14,000. 300 bills to 350, roughly, per year are introduced in New York State on firearms issues only. Mm. That's a whole lot of legislation. And you're Some really... of it is just nonsense, and other stuff is very, very serious, but very dangerous, because while every piece of legislation that's introduced is claimed to be well-intended, right. in a lot of cases that's an outright lie, it's not well-intended. It's people who don't believe you have a right to own a firearm. It's people who don't believe that you should be allowed to be independent of a system. Mm. Now, we'll take care of you from the day you're born till the day you die. And if that fails, well, then we'll apprehend who did it. And I, I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want my family to be a statistic or a victim either. We'd like to survive. Yeah. I want to read about this 20 for 30 years later. I don't want somebody else reading about it. How long you been in this fight, man? Well, actually, I got involved. Uh, God, you know, you're, t- you're asking me now to give away my age, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually got involved for the first time, I think, in about 1968. And 1971, I, had, uh, I got elected to one of my first positions in a local sportsman's organization called Suffolk. The Suffolk Sportsman of Suffolk County. Okay. Was, and uh, then after that... I got elected to the New York State Conservation Council, which is a statewide organization and the biggest sportsman's group in the state of New York. And I was the youngest man in history to get elected to that position. I was was elected as a regional director, and I was 28 years old at the time. And uh, most of the other guys on the board at that time were in their 60s. Hmm. And then I stayed there for 28 years, holding a variety of positions, including chairman of firearms legislation for New York State. All right. And uh, then I went to work and did some work for the state association with the NRA. But all through those years, I always worked cooperatively with the NRA. Yeah. Um, I was the activist in New York State. As a matter of fact, I was the guy in the New York State Conservation Council who had personally invited Harlan Carter when he was president of the NRA, to come to New York and speak to the New York State Conservation Council. They're a lot more conservative, not as outspoken. Uh, They're conservation, fish and wildlife management oriented, but firearms was like a small portion of that overall organization. Today, it's probably the biggest portion, because without the fight to preserve the right for firearms ownership, including recreation and sportsmen and hunting, there's a lot of people just would have a, a major problem with surviving. Oh. So I invited, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you a little story. It's cute, true. I invited Harlan Carter, and he did come, and he did speak, and we, you know, it was outstanding. If you, know, if you knew Harlan Carter, he was a very powerful, powerful speaker, tremendous amount of natural charisma. Hmm. And the two men he brought with him had just been hired by the NRA. One was a guy by the name of Mike Lashbrook, who was working for the Institute for Legislative Action, and the other one was Wayne LaPierre. Oh, wow. They were both hired, and they had only been on the job about a week or two when they came with Harlan to New York. And oh. I sat between the two of them. And that was my first introduction to both of those men. About 10 years later, I believe, Mike Lashbrook left, 
and you know the story of Wayne. Yeah. He has steadily gone through whatever, everything. Yeah. And now he's the executive vice president for the last dozen years, and he's doing an outstanding job. But I actually met him when he was first hired as a liaison. Oh, wow. So it's just an interesting side story. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we did that, and then eventually we decided to try to put together a coalition for New York State that was taking all of the statewide organizations that we had, some local or regional organizations that had been pretty active, and a couple of the national organizations like Citizens Committee, Second Amendment Foundation, uh, NRA, of course, and we put them all together and we created a coalition of sportsmen for New York State. We did it for two reasons. One, we did it to make sure that from now on, when legislation is proposed, all of the organizations would be singing the same song from the same page and using the same words. Too often, we would have legislators who are very good at what they do, being politicians. They would mm-hmm. talk to you about one aspect of a piece of legislation while talking to me about another aspect of the same piece. And they would try to twist it around so that we would not really be at odds with each other, but not on the same page and not marching in the same direction at the same time. And they were using that to dull the effectiveness of what we were trying to do by presenting a unified front. And, of course, that was the second reason. We're unified in what we want to achieve, how we want to achieve it, and where we want to go and how we want to do it. And it would make it harder for them to hide Hmm. And uh, I actually became the chairman for about five years. We had it so that it was set up that uh, various people would become chairman from each organization for a couple of years, and it wound up that I was the longest chairman. I don't know how it happened, but... And then when I stepped down, some people who were supposed to take over didn't, and it kind of fell apart. Uh. So now we kind of just communicate with each other on a local basis, or we'll talk to each other via email, which has become, you know, big all over the country in a variety of ways. Yeah. And we use email to kind of make sure we're all on. We try to talk to each other, though, more often, like I say, to make sure that we're not allowing the legislators to divide and conquer. And because there are different circumstances throughout the state. Unfortunately, New York State has a, a law that is not like a lot of other states. It's not uniform throughout the entire state. It differs. What's needed to get a permit to, to have a firearm in New York? Well, depends on what part of the state you live. If you live in New York City, you can get a license. It takes two year, uh, six months. The license is only valid for two years, and it costs roughly $375. Wow. If you live in Nassau County, the first county away, it's a five-year license, which I'm proud to say I actually was the one responsible for getting the five-year license for, for Nassau County and for Suffolk County. We originally had a law that said a license may be valid for up to three years, and that may allow the local issuing agent to um, issue a license for two years, because it says may, didn't say it had to be. My proposed change in the state law said a license shall be valid for five years from date of issuance. And it took me 12 years to get it passed. I mean, I had it introduced each year in both houses. I got it passed five times, and five times it went to the governor, and five times Mario Cuomo vetoed it. Mm. On the sixth 
chance that we finally got it through, and this is on on the twelfth year of constantly putting it in, because some years it never got anywhere. We finally got it in both houses, and then the governor did sign it. As a matter of fact, I'm proud to say, when a legislator passes a piece of legislation, they get a copy of the bill that the governor actually signs, and they get the pen that the governor uses when they sign that bill. That's a coup. It's a... Mm -hmm an important document for legislators to have their offices where they can put pieces of legislation up that they were responsible for getting introduced, passed, and then signed into law. I'm the only non-legislator that I'm aware of in New York State who was ever given a copy of the actual bill with the pen signed by the governor, and I'm the only one that was never a public legislator, and I got one hanging on my wall. Cool, cool. So that, that's neat. But... To continue where we were, Suffolk, Nassau County has a five-year license, and it takes roughly four to six months to get, and it's $200. Now, Suffolk County, I have the same thing, five-year license. It takes four to six months to get, on average, and it's $10. Mm. Now, the whole rest of the state of New York is a lifetime license. It has no expiration, and it's $10. And the reason is New York State has had handgun licensing since 1911, longer than any other state in the country. So we've had licensing for handguns for a very, very long time, 1911, and it has been lifetime-issued licenses, good until revoked. In other words, until you do something wrong, you have a license. So it's only a city that you catch hell. It's only New York City that has a renewable license, Nassau County and Suffolk County. New York City makes it doubly miserable for you because in addition to just getting a license for a gun, it's also registration. Mm. In other words, every gun you own, every handgun you own, must be listed on your license. So even if you have a New York State license, if you are in possession of a handgun that's not listed on your license, you can go to jail. Wow. You are now in possession of a gun for which you are not licensed to be in possession of. Mm. It's a peculiarity and it's a technicality, but people, some people have a hard time understanding it, but it's as straightforward as I can give it to you, and probably because I've been doing it so long that I can break it down to a basic component for you. Hmm. It's not a license to own a gun. You don't need a license to own a gun. You need a license to possess a gun. Love how laws do that. Amazing how it works like that. Right? Yeah, change the language. That's the reality of it in New York State. So, whereas I'm licensed in other states as well, and in those other states where I'm licensed, mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a license to carry, most of the time for self-defense purposes. And when I do, I don't have a listing of any gun. They said, oh, no, if you have a license, any gun you're in possession of is presumed to be yours legally and lawfully. Right. So if you wanted to, hey, John, you know, you're in town and uh, we've been going through some garbage over here lately. Here, take my gun when you're going around because I didn't bring one with me. That would be perfectly fine because I'm licensed. Your state recognizes that license and any gun I'm in possession of is fine. But if I did that in New York State, you could prosecute me as a felon. Mm. Wow. Which is ridiculous. However, that is the, the law and the peculiarity. But then again, as I said, 1911, it's now 2009. We have had these laws on the books for 98 years. Mm. 
So they've been perverted quite a bit. What's the What's the new thing in New York? What can uh, What can uh, we well, do? The, the latest. Well, they have some things that they've been passed. For example, just before the federal assault weapons ban was to sunset, go uh-huh. out of business. New York State passed the same damn bill in New York State, and the governor signed it. And we have an assault weapons ban that used to be what was at the federal level, Uh-oh. is now at the state level. And we've had it since 2000. Uh-oh. Four years before the federal bill sunsetted, it didn't make a difference to New York whether it did sunset or not, because they passed the law in New York State taking away our right to do that. What they've been doing since then is they're constantly trying to upgrade the bill and expand it, bringing in more different kinds of firearms and classifying them as assault weapons, and thereby, little at a time, trying to limit what you can own and not own. Mm. So that's one bad feature that we have. And we, it's, a, it's, it's real tough, because the majority, just so you have an idea, in New York State, the New York State Assembly is composed of 150 members statewide. 109 are Democrats, of which the bulk come from New York City. Ouch. Okay. Now, the Senate has 60. So, altogether, we have 210 assemblymen and senators, but the bulk of them come from New York City. So, whatever arrogant attitude or limited and restricted type of gun ownership they want to practice in New York, they've been trying to ram down the throats of everybody else statewide. So, they're the people that are constantly pushing to expand and increase the size of the assault weapons ban. So that's one of our really bad pieces of legislation. Another bad piece of legislation is what they call COBIS, C-O-B-I-S, Combined Ballistic Identification System. Mm. Uh, again, since 2000, every gun, handgun sold in New York State had to go to the state police. They would fire two shots and take ballistic imprints of the, the casing yeah. and the bullet. And then they would recall the make, model, caliber, serial number of the gun that fired it and what store this went to. And then, of course, once you have that record, you can tell who bought that gun later on from that gun store. So all of this is done, and they have now done this for eight years, spent $45 million to create this huge database. And for eight years that they've used this database, the police authorities now, who said we have to have it, they haven't been able to use it to document a single crime. Wow. In eight years and $45 million. A couple of hundred thousand guns that have been sold in New York State to legal lawful residents. And we told them it wouldn't, and we told them it's real simple. These are not criminals buying guns through lawful channels. The only thing you're going to do is find out where the gun was manufactured, what distributor it went to, what dealer it went to, and then what lawful gun owner it went to before it was stolen right. from that lawful gun owner and then possibly used in a crime. Mm. So the only thing your law will do will trace it back to its loss, its last lawful owner. Right. And, and if you've got a handgun license from New York State, the background check that they require you to go through is unbelievable. I mean, they check with your neighbors. They check back to your school teachers when you're in school. You've got to have four character references. I mean, you know, they go way, way back. And if somebody, anybody has a problem with you, you don't get the license. So if you have a New York State handgun license, that's why, believe it or not, in the United States, 14 states recognize the New York State handgun license. 
but New York State doesn't recognize the handgun license from any other state. Of course. But it just goes to show that if you people go through that kind of background scrutiny in order to get a handgun license, and you've jumped through these hoops and over these obstacles and barriers, you're you're above reproach. Yeah. I got news for you. The handgun license is not just the license to own a gun. As far as I'm concerned, it's a character reference. I know. That's right. It is. I mean, I've gone into hotels where we've had conventions, and they said, do you have any ID? And I pull out a handgun license, and the guy looks at me and says, that's not ID. I said, the hell it isn't. It's got a picture of me on it, number one. It's got my address, number two. And more importantly, if I show you a driver's license, I can still be a convicted felon. Right. And you wouldn't know it. But if I'm showing you a handgun license, you know I have never been arrested, never been convicted of a crime anywhere, and that I am amongst the most law-abiding segment of all of the population in this state. Wow. And then they look at you and say, wow, I never thought of it like that. It's a testimony. It's yeah. like wearing a, you know, when you're in military uniform and you have yeah. certain achievements you've made and you have it on your chest. Right. Same thing. You can take one look at it and say, oh, this guy's seen some action. This guy has earned these stripes or that brass that's on his shoulder. Sound, like a, mar- sound like a Marine, man. <laughs> exactly what it was. <laughs> well, still am. Down deep. I hear you. Like back. they say, not as slim, not as trim, but still all jarhead. You know it. <laughs> not as lean still as mean though that's it <laughs> anyway so. so those are the kinds of things that we are facing and every year they come out with more and more legislation more and more stuff that they claim is going to solve a problem but the truth and the reality is and it's the same thing i guess wherever you go in the country the bills of legislation that they propose 99 percent of them do not address criminal behavior they address possession right do you have this gun did you have this gun that did that? Do you have, yeah, I had it. Did I commit a crime with it? No. Then what would be the big issue if I had it or I don't have it? Mm. It's like machine guns. You go in some parts of the country, machine guns are common everyday things that you can use. And if you can afford to pay for the ammo, right. I can go right ahead and go do it. But in New York State, no one may own a machine gun. We say, why? Because well, only criminals have those. I said, really? Of all the machine guns that are registered in the United States, can you find one that's registered and went through legal check? All right. Had a technical difficulty and we were cut off. But here's a conversation with some of the best parts for those who live in a city and want to know what do I have to do and what can I do about my rights in New York State? If if I were in New York City or in in the state of New York and I was new, what should I look for to try to get involved in both activism and shooting. Okay. If you just moved to the New York area, first of all, I wouldn't live in the city mm. if I could. Cost was one favor. Second, if you expect to have, you have the ability to get a handgun license, it's almost impossible. Oh. They make the criteria such that it's almost next to impossible for a legitimate person to do it. So you would be wise to live in a suburb, either north or east of the city in the island. Mm-hmm or just north of the city, where getting a handgun license is a much more reasonable opportunity. Number two, I would join a couple of organizations within the state to stay active as to what's going on in the state, both politically, legislatively, and competitive shooting-wise. New York State Rifle and Pistol Association would be one. If you live on Long Island, where I come Mm -hmm. from, Nassau and Suffolk County, uh, when I first moved out here, we had had 100,000 people in each county. 
I now have 1.5 million in each county. So I have 3 million people in two counties. Wow. So, and in handgun licenses, I have some between Nassau and Suffolk. I got it between 65 and 70,000 handgun licensees in those two counties alone. We have an organization called SAFE, Sportsman's Association for Firearms Education, SAFE. Mm-hmm. And we, that's all we do is political action, legislative activities, trying to make legislators accountable, questioning them, making sure that we file opinions on legislation when it's proposed. We do the same thing on, on a local level as well. We have a number of local issues going on where there's local groups trying to take away our places where we shoot and what we can own. So, again, we fight for those things. The fact that we still all can own guns, we still have ranges, and we still can carry for the most part as we travel around means we have been able to fight them off. The real trick in this whole industry is real simple. The people who are anti-gun or anti-constitutional and don't believe I have a civil right to own a firearm or for you to have a civil right to own a firearm, Mm -hmm. they only have to win one fight, and I've lost everything. I have to win every fight, no matter how big or how small. Because as long as I can continue to fight them off, beat them back, and prevent them from passing the law that ultimately takes it away from all of us, unless I can do that on a regular basis, and I'm not talking me personally, I'm talking collectively all of the sportsmen. I don't do anything without the full support of the members. Mm -hmm. Unless we do that, we will all lose. And that's the problem. I try to motivate sportsmen so that they don't wait until it's almost too late or it is too late when they pass legislation. We try to motivate them to stay involved and active while we still have some kind of control over what's going on, where we can turn up in big numbers when we need them. You have to question, what's your civil rights worth? Yeah. To me, my right to own a firearm is a very major critical issue because, as I've said this now for over 20 years, if I can't trust a public official or an elected politician to defend and protect my right to own firearms for legal and lawful uses, on what issue should I trust them? Right. On one of my most basic rights, if I can't trust them on that, what issue should I trust them on? Mm. There is no higher reason. Yeah. Second, I'm older now. I've had this right. I've exercised it. I've used it. So my obligation, my responsibility... And my, op- my, my responsibility to them is to the next two generations, my children and my grandchildren. I have an obligation to fight and protect the rights so that they have the option to exercise it. One of the things I'm always amazed at, I go to colleges, I go to high schools, I speak, public officials at, at legislatures, and one thing that constantly bothers them is I come right out and tell them, I really don't care if you want to own a gun or not. If you don't, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Don't buy one. Don't use it. That's okay by me. What I don't want you to do that is if you don't like it and you don't want it, that you don't have the right to tell me who does like it and does want it, I can't. So the whole issue is very important that we protect the right of freedom of choice. If you choose never to exercise your right to own a gun, that is your prerogative. And I may think you're an idiot because you don't want to learn, but that's my prerogative. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you don't want to vote in the next election, you don't have to. I want to vote, and I never want to lose my right to vote. Yeah. Firearms ownership is exactly the same thing. It's like a religious belief. It is a belief that I have, and I exercise it, and as long as I do not use it to hurt others or do to take away anything from others, then it's my 
choice. Now, when I was young and strong and fast, I didn't need maybe a firearm for self-protection. Now that I'm older, more frail, or I have some kind of infirmary, I may decide I need one. Wouldn't it be a shame that 20 years ago I let some idiot legislator take away my right to self-defense? Amen. So that's why we do it. That's why I do it. That's why I talk to a lot of people. So our obligation now is to preserve the next generation. My parents, grandparents, and the parent, and all of that came before fought for our rights. I'm doing that during my lifetime, probably more than some, but the fact of the matter is I believe yeah. it. So I'm doing it for myself, but also for the next generations. And like I said, we only have to lose once, and we can be completely out of business. They have to lose the others who want to take away my rights. They have to lose every time. Because every time they win, they incrementally take a piece of what my rights are away. The same as we were talking a moment before about assault weapons. Yeah. I have how many thousand times now I've told this to politicians. There is no such thing as an assault weapon. Assault is the behavior of an individual, of a human being. A weapon is whatever you have handy. Would you really feel any better if I told you I took a chair and beat your son to death? It's dead as dead. Or would you? I mean, does it make a difference? It's the behavior that's what you're punishing, yeah. not the weapon that was used. Right. Cain killed with a rock. Right. It's still murder. Absolutely. So the reality is, it's there is no such thing as an assault weapon that you can control and then thereby control the behavior of people. All right. Good deal, man. Thanks a lot for this. Hey, let me know when I become a movie star and I need to buy a set. <laughs> Will do, Doc. Will do. <laughs> Thanks again. Take care. All right. Man. Talk to you later. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Have you purchased your Zombie 3.0 Target yet? Why order a Zombie 3.0 Target from BlackManWithTheGun.com, UrbanShooterPodcast.com, or KenBlanchard.com? When you order one, five, or ten, you get a -a one-of-a-kind design that no one else has at the range. You get a tactical hostage target where your goal is not to hit Missy Sue. When you get your Zombie 3.0 Target, insurance, and maintain the little vehicle, When you buy a Zombie 3.0 Target, you support the Urban Shooter Podcast. When you order a Zombie 3.0 Target, you sharpen your skills. When you order a Zombie 3.0 Target, you get an autographed copy. How do you get yours? Visit blackmanwithagun.com, kenblanchard.com, or urbanshooterpodcast.com today. Each Target is $1.50 plus shipping. And shipped... Priority mail or first class mail in one or three days after your order. And if you want a different number of targets than is offered, just send Ken an email for special orders. No problem at all. That's blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Get yours today. Black Man with a Gun by Ken Blanchard is a 148 page book with pictures showing the right way and wrong way to do things. Different guns and techniques, and a great primer for new shooters, an icebreaker for the experienced shooter, and a tool for the activist. 
Black Man with a Gun is a book that easily explains and inspires. With the humor of the most audacious African-American in support of the right to keep and bear arms, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard is a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counterterrorist, public speaker, and web personality. Ken has been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and now with his new podcast, The Urban Shooter on iTunes. In the book, you'll find a letter to my sisters, buying a firearm, the racist roots of gun control, the NRA, your rights, the police, religion, and guns. Get your autographed copy today by visiting Black Man with a Gun com or by calling 888-772-6262. Get your copy now. Have you ever thought about what kind of holster you were going to carry your concealed weapon in? Well, if I got a holster for you, crossbreedholsters.com. They're most famous, the inside the waistband super tough. One heck of a holster. Crossbreed holsters come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. That's CrossbreedHolsters.com, or you can reach them at 1-888-732-5011. That's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Three, two, one. For $3, you can get two Gun Rights Radio Network bumper stickers. Help support the network that supports your freedom. Just send A, that's one, self-addressed stamped envelope to Gun Rights Radio Network or GRRN PO Box 966 South Bend, Indiana 46624. That's three, two, and one. Three bucks. Two bumper stickers. You send us a self addressed stamped envelope and we'll get them back to you shortly. Gun Rights Radio Network PO Box 966 South Bend, Indiana. Four six six two four. For details, check out the show notes. And now back to the man who's packing more than a Browning. This has got to be the saddest part of the show. But like all good things, they have to end and I have to go. But I'll be back next week with a new episode. Something unique while you listen on the road. And you do know you can download this through iTunes, through your RSS feed, listen online or through Zoom. And you can reach me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com anytime. Or you can call me at 888-772-6262, totally free and on my dime. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother from a different mother. Shalom, baby. I had to meet you here today. Just so many things to say. Please don't stop me till I'm through. This is something that I hate to do. We've been meeting here so long. 
talking about God, though it's not wrong. Please, darling, brother and sister, don't you cry. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Uh, you don't have to be naked for this. But I don't have to not be naked for it either. Uh Uh-huh. Do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. GunRightsRadio.com.